0: are going epic. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Every believer's life goes epic when they discover the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining our podcast today as we unfold more truths about who you are in Christ. So what is the most epic? What is the most popular? What is the most supercharged verse that is quoted out of Galatians? Galatians 2.20 Now certainly in the exchange life community For I have been crucified with Christ Nevertheless I live yet Not I But Christ lives in me And the life that I now live I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself up for me. When we really start getting into the identity messages of the characters in the New Testament, you're going to find something very fascinating about the Galatia church. There are certain groups that caught on to this whole identity thing a whole lot faster than some of the ones who were dependent on the law still. The interesting thing is the primary difference between Peter's ministry and Paul's ministry was what? Jews and Gentiles. Jews had the tendency to cling to the law. The Gentiles had the tendency to. Jude one, there's only one chapter. Verse four is to use grace as a license. Now those are two groups. Is that not still true today? Churches that use the law and churches that use grace as if it is some kind of ointment because you have an owie. One of the responders in my survey confessed a different kind of sin, and I replied, and they replied back with, thanks, that sure made me feel good. And I replied back with, you want me to lie to you? And then I text. What did you really want me to say in reply to what you confessed? Well, I was expecting a little empathy. No empathy's later. Truth. I need to cut that that cancer out of the, out of the wound. You need to understand what is in that sore, that festering sore. Me putting ointment on top of that festering sore is not going to help you. We need to. Cut away the flesh and put ointment in it after that. The, the Gentiles were just give me some ointment. And the Jews were just tell me what to do. Now, I did get a couple responses out of our survey where the people want to know, well just tell me what, what I should do about it. Law excessive grace. Law excessive. Excessive grace. My job in ministry is to bring them to the gold brick road. That one one road that has the balance of the law and grace. Let's take a look at that. Does the law promote sin? Well, that's a good question because there are people from the early New Testament church to this very day they kind of believe that it does. Even says in Romans 5:20 it says the law came in that the transgression might increase. This does not mean that the law promoted the increase of sin, but that the personal satanic source, Satan, reacting to the law and the character of God in man. Okay, did you get that? Because if you didn't, you're not going to get a blasted thing out of the rest of this message. See, the real issue is here that Satan despises the character of God. Satan, when he was Lucifer, actually reflected the character of God as an angel of light. The light is the reflection of the character of God. The Holy Spirit being the light and life unto us and in us and through us is God's character. So as the Holy Spirit breathes and moves through you, it's the character of God being released through you. Satan hates it. What's really going on here is a reaction from Satan. We make things so human. Our arguing with each other, are fussing all the, the stuff that happens to us and fear of losing someone or fear of this or fear of that. We make everything so human. And we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight powers of darkness and principalities of the air. We're pawns. I'm sorry. It's the truth. We're pawns. We're either a Volunteer slave for Jesus Christ or we are a slave for Satan. People don't like slavery. And when you talk to them that slavery is alive and well and it shall be on the new earth, I will be a bond slave to my husband, Jesus Christ, forever. And that's exactly what the scriptures say. So what is the biggest issue in all countries in the entire world? is slavery. You have human rights. Fight this. That's our greatest war. You see, Satan has made this statement. He will bow to nobody. So when God comes along and says, Trust me, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that my son is God. Me. When you see him, you see me. When you see me, you see him. Trust me. You will. But he's like, no, I'm not. And he has deceived the humans, God in man. He doesn't like that idea. He doesn't like the idea that Christ lives in you. That harasses him 24 hours a day. And that's where the release is. Is Christ in you. When the law came, it says in Romans 7, 9, when the law came, sin became alive. Well, how in the world did that work? You say, well, the law of God has always been there. Yes, you're you're correct. The character of God has always been. But when God had it written down so that people could have the proof in the pudding, it wasn't until Moses. That's a lot of years from Adam. To Moses, and soon as it got written down, do not touch the wet paint. All of a sudden, you started seeing handprints with on paint all over the world. Well, Romans seven five it says, "For the law arouses sinful passions." What's up with that? Without that, Satan has no power. You just remember that. Without that, Satan is lost. So he has to whisper in your ear, You feel guilty, don't you? Don't you? You rotten sinner. And these constant voices we're hearing from the enemy is all has to do with, Don't touch the wet paint. So you get up and you're like, why do I have this compulsive desire to put my hand on this wet wall? (laughs) Oh, Dean Carl, I love Jesus. Where where, where does that come from? (laughs) You're reading it. The law was given to us so that we could go, you mean I'm not God? That's what God looks like? And I'm not he? Well, who has always wanted to be God? Yeah. So the law is basically something Satan has to use to deceive the people because he wants the people to think that they can be as God. You see, any time a human says, Godship, or I can be as God... Satan's already won you. It's over. He doesn't need for you to say, Satan, you are God. I've come to realize that. Anyone who confesses that God's not God, he already won. He gets that glory. And that's what the law does. The law puts up a standard of who God is. And then Satan comes along and goes, Yeah, you failure, look at that list. All 691 of them. Failure, failure, failure. And you say, Nah, we don't suffer with that. That's just the Hebrew people. You're going to suffer with it before you go to bed tonight. Something's going to run through your mind that you're going to kind of feel bad about. And the enemy will be right there to say, What a dummy. You're a failure. And see as I said to this this gal this morning when I was texting her, I said, Why are you fighting your flesh? You need to agree with it. And if your flesh is saying I'm a failure, why aren't you agreeing with this? Because your flesh is a failure. Your flesh isn't nobody. Your flesh does crave attention from people. Your flesh does want these things. Just agree with it. Don't fight it. Don't prove it wrong. Just agree with it and accept who you are, who Christ is, what he accomplished with the law, etc., etc. There's power in that. Here's our Hebrew word picture. Sin and guilt, which are... I know they're listed out as two, but with Satan, it's one word, Ashem. And those who are listening to this sermon on a podcast, and you're also chasing down Jack on the Gold Brick Road, uh, when I translated the story of Jonah, the city that he is asked to go and minister to is Hashem. So that's one of the little things that I do is I put real Hebrew words in the storyline all over the place. This is one of them. So those of you who are in the 60 series with Jack the Journey, and I'm using the city of Hashem, that's what this is. It is. The fire of the name destroys the name. The fire, the something burning in some famous person, some someone pushing for precedence of their name it ultimately burns someone else's name. Do you understand that's what pride does? Whenever you lift yourself up above someone, you're saying, my name is going to consume your name. The whole world is filled with that. Everyone's out for a better name. That's where this comes from. What it does in the other person is it, is it produces Shame which is where we get the word shame, is from Hashem. It it produces guilt on their part. I'm not as good as you. And now Satan is alive and well in that relationship. So the fire of the name destroys the name, or, or the fire of chaos destroys all it touches, or the fire and water, which is where we get the whole idea of God destroying the earth with water. Because they would not respect his name. And he said, I will destroy all of you. Satan's name was the most famous on the earth, not God's, up to the flood. There was a few families, of course, kept it alive. But on the most part, chaos was consuming the name of God. God. And God said, Stop. I'm going to destroy all of you. My name shall destroy you. Let's look at this diagram. How the believer keeps the cross full. Sins against me. So when you have a difficult relationship with someone, and you're not able to let it go right away, consider this. Since sin and guilt destroys the name... When we hold sins against ourselves or others, we burn the name of Jesus with our refusal to accept the finality of the cross. And we keep, actually, the fire under Jesus. And as I said to this person from Florida this morning, is your calling Jesus a liar? That makes me feel good. Whenever we do not embrace the truth and release the truth and walk in the truth, we are calling Jesus a liar. Call it what it is. I do it. It's just that I have the kind of relationship with Jesus where I talk to Him like that. I just called you a liar, didn't I, Jesus? Now, the cool thing is, Jesus is never going to say, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire, Steve, because He sees me as a reflection of himself, I'm a mirror to him when he sees me, he doesn't see the old Steve sin or not, he sees a reflection of him so he he, he that's what grace is it's it's giving off no matter what nasty thing you say to Jesus, he responds in love, which is never holding aught against another it's not something he's asking you to do it's something he does you are a perfect reflection of the living life of Jesus Christ. So when we hold sins against another or against ourselves, this is what we're doing. God used the law to produce a mirror for mankind to reveal the impossibility of keeping the whole law since it demanded all or nothing. And that's the crazy thing about all of the writers. You break one law, someone finish it, you broke them all. And if you keep 99% of all the laws, you have nothing. So God put the standards so incredibly high that not one man or woman Could reach it. So they feel like a failure. Every time I try with you, God, I just feel like a failure. You are a failure. And that's what we fight. We have the world of psychology that has built lessons and 12 steppings and whatever to try to get people to not say, I am a failure. And there's ministries like mine that say, yes, you are. Because the sooner you admit you are, the sooner you accept he's not. And then he lives in you. I'm going to fight my flesh until I take my last breath. That's just where it's going to be. But see, he's not going to. He already dealt with it. He didn't just do the finality of fulfilling the... Law, the finality of dealing with sin, he did the finality of Steve Finney. He says, I got no more, I have no more to do with you. It's done. You're the one that's not convinced of that. So we have to do this working out of your salvation. But I'm telling you, Steve, the finality of my work for you is done, it's over. It's just that I understand that you're human. And human minds don't have the mind of Christ. Your ways are not my ways. So therefore, this is going to be a process for you to come into my reality. So every day is a reality check for me. I just go through, whether I'm working on a podcast or whatever it is that I'm doing, all of a sudden, God will just stop me in my pathway and go, this is a reality check. And I will break down and bawl like a baby. Weeping. Because I have tasted, I get this glimmer of how Christ actually sees me. Or someone else. Or the world. Or haters of God. I I, I get this glimmer. Just for a moment I want to stay there. And it just fizzles away. And God brings us back to that beautiful moment over and over and over. Just to remind us that all of eternity in the new earth, that is how we'll see everything. Just as Christ saw me. That is not to come. That is how he views me today. That's how he views you today. If you think Jesus sees your sin then he's a liar. You see, Jesus doesn't see our sin. He knows we sin. But he sees us in redemption. He sees us purified, redeemed, holy, chosen. You see, all those identity statements, that's how he sees us. But he does know that humans choose to sin. Now here's a mind bender for you listeners. Listeners. If you think sin is picking out some kind of horrible thing that you have done or continue to do, you are deceived. Sin is anything, any time you choose not to view yourself the way God views you through Christ inside you. That is sin. Not joining God's worldview of you is sin. Not having God's thoughts released in you is sin. Not letting the Holy Spirit jump forth out of your very being is sin. So if you want to pick out a classy sin, you keep doing it that way and call it your little favorite sins. But anything that's not of Christ is sin. And that will mess with your mind. Secondly, God used the law as a runway. This runway was literally to set things up for Jesus. He loved the Hebrew people so much. He was saying, now all these stories I'm going to give you is going to prepare you for my son. I mean, who did Jesus compare himself to? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't compare him to. Jonah, one of the most rebellious prophets in the entire Bible. And Jesus says, just as Noah was in the belly of the fish for three days, I, uh, I (laughs) I mean, Jonah, was in the belly of the fish for three days, so I shall be in the tomb of death for three days. Every story and if you get caught up in the epic adventure of that particular story in the Old Testament you'll lose sight that Christ is in it and that's what another reason why we're doing the jacket journey where we're pulling the old stories back in and redeeming it through the very fulfilled law in the Old Testament story like we did with the Jonah story that's the point You see, Jonah was bound by the law, so he had to die in the law. But Christ wasn't. So he could have the same storyline as Jonah and come out victorious. Do you understand that? If not, you will someday. Because Christ is always obedient to reveal what is true about him. So it was a runway to prepare the Hebrew people for Jesus Christ. So now the law provided a Hebrew pictorial, a word picture, of what God was about to do with his son Jesus. The law served as the very backbone of Jesus. So this spine running up my back, of course we can't function without it. That's what the law is for Christ. It didn't go away. That's his backbone. The character of God is his backbone. And it is perfect. There's no flaws in the law. There's. I'd be like saying there's flaws in the character of God. I'd like to hear someone say that. No, I wouldn't. Because that would be a very bad thing to say. There are no flaws in God, nor His character. It was a promise that the perfection is coming in the form of His Son, the one who was, Romans 1, 2, promised through the prophets. Romans 3.21, witnessed to by the law of the prophets. Romans 16.26, by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known. The law of the Israelites was, as these scriptures point out, an example written for our instruction. It was never God's goal for you to fulfill the law. It was never God's goal for you to just obey the law. It was God's goal to see who was going to try to obey the law. Those he would set aside. He knew they'd fail. But those who were wanting, wanting to obey... Those are the ones he says, Come here, Jonah. Come here, David. Come here. All these horrible stories. Come here. I know you want to. Get over here. And the ones I go, Really? I can another boat catch. You stand over there. It was in the wanting he was interested in. So they were put in a special holding tank, were they not? Until Christ went to the cross, fulfilled the law, set everyone free, and then he had to go back to this paradise's holding tank or whatever and gather up the saints because he was the first to see his father, then he brought them unto his father. Those were the wanting ones. I wanted to obey and fulfill the whole law. But they didn't, of course. People get that confused and the wanting to obey that is of interest to our Father and our Husband, Jesus Christ. The protective preparation of the law is explained by Paul in Galatians, which was our passage we read. We were kept in custody under the law. The law became our guardian. You see, Jack is a guardian of truth, right? He's a custody, custodian. He is to hold the truth, carry the truth. But when you hold and carry the truth, something very unusual starts to happen. You become it. You see, the truth sets you free, but if you hold and become a custodian, a guardian of holding the truth, it becomes you, so therefore what you do, what you say is truth. Jesus fulfilling the law, he became the custodian to I am truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's a name statement. I am my name it's powerful it's mind bending how simple this is any young male child in, in uh, Roman society was often entrusted to a slave, a, a very important slave by the way, and they would entrust their children to this slave and this slave was picked out as a custodian a guardian And so when we get into custodial battles, you know, in courts or whatever, this is what they're saying. Or if a child becomes a, you know, in custody or a custodial of the court, that's what they're saying. They will bear up the responsibility of that child. Until that child grows up and actually submits themselves to the governing authorities of the land. This is what's happening here. The law is a custodian. It's a disciplinarian is the best word that you can use. The law is a disciplinarian. It's a rod. These, these custodial parent figures, their main job was to carry a rod. They were not to educate. That is the job of the parents because if you educate that child with something that that father or mother don't want that kid to know, you're, you're in trouble. You're probably going to the stake. The education is always, always, always for the parents. That is the basic premise behind homeschooling. It is the biblical mandate and truth that parents are to pass down the education to the children. The law was a spanking tool. It was a guardian in the sense of a rod. You cannot raise children up without the rod. Spare the rod and spoil the child. They go together. The law goes with grace. They go together. Grace educates. The law does not. You say, yes it does. I can study it and educate myself. That's not what they're talking about. The law is to remind you you're going to get a spank and I always feel like I'm in trouble you always get I feel like I'm a failure you are you see that's how it's supposed to work but I keep trying to please you and I always feel like I never get to please that be true now we have lied to Christians the law is a disciplinarian tool to lead people to Christ for education he's our educator he's our transformator not the law since we know now that the law is not a teacher then we can begin to understand the fact that it is a disciplinary tool. Then we can ask ourselves the question of, well, then who is our educator? Is it me? Is it people around me? Is it, oh, I got it, I need to go get a degree, theological degree for a pastor, a group of people. Is that right? That'd be wrong. You see, what it leaves us with is we need someone else's mind. Well, then, well, that would make me mindless. Exactly. Well, I really need someone else's ways because mine don't work. That'd be true. But see, people don't, want to acknowledge that. They think there are ways of doing things. Remember the video guys? They think there are ways of doing certain things, and you're telling God how to basically care for them and love on them and not use a chisel on me. You see, that hammer and chisel was the law. And it led him to standing in front of the mirror and realizing who he was in Christ. Identity mattered. Those two guys do understand this. You see, if you just look on one side or the other, you're going to get lost. They must work together. The law is a disciplinarian tool. The rod, thy staff, it comfort me. The law, Jesus... Grace comforts me. Remember, Jesus is grace. The law is God. God, Jesus, comfort me. It's not the rod comfort me. It's not grace that comforts me. It's the rod and thy staff it comfort me. The staff hooks people. The rod spanks people. The two must be used together if you want to do an effective ministry. Any questions on that? Here's our new diagram. Sins against Christ, not the believer. What you doing to the least of these, my brethren, you you doing to me. This is the toughest thing for me to deal with. Because when I get the hate mail, or the comments, or the rejection, or whatever, I just, oh, it's all me, oh, it's me, and I get into this, this whirlwind, and... And the Lord, I know what the Lord's doing. He's kind of like, oh, it's getting shorter. He's not going into that pity party quite as long. <laughs> See, but he, he knows my flesh, so He doesn't come up to me and go, you did it again. You just sucked into Satan's little pity party. No, He doesn't shame. He doesn't ashem. He's already taken care of that. So what He does is takes His staff... And he hooks me out of the whirlwind and he goes, I love you. You are in me. And I, you see, it's all this power message. But see, he let the law do what it was supposed to do. If you think as an indwell believer, you don't have to deal with the law anymore, you might 602-292-298 to me. I would love to text you on this one. You have to deal with the law 24 hours a day until you're dead. Then there's no more law for you. Then you can carry around the, the, the staff all day long for Jesus. But for now, if we didn't have the law, we couldn't lead people to Christ. Do you understand that? Grace is not leading people to Christ. The law does. So we need it to stay there to the very last judgment statement out of God's mouth on Judgment Day, which is a thousand years. We need it. 602-292-2982 But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the disciplinarian. From law, disciplinarian, to grace, our groom, Jesus. The reason why you guys get divorces is because you're not viewing your groom Or maybe you, as a groom, are not demonstrating Jesus. That's the only reason for divorces. Rarely do I ever put the focus on the woman in a divorce. It's usually the men. You see, the mandate was given to men is for men to love their wives as, finish the verse, Christ loves the church. Now, if a woman decides, or a bridal member of Christ decides to take a hike under that kind of love, that's why Paul says, well, then let him leave. You are not under bondage in such cases. That's why he's saying that. Christ doesn't chase you. He says, come unto me, all of you are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If you think Christ is chasing you, listener, you need to 602-292-298 me because you need to have a little bit more understanding of why Christ permanently, for eternity, says, I am here. If he's going to walk off the gold road, brick road for you to chase you into the dark forest to try to save you from your dark choices, you're not understanding my husband. He will always be there waiting, waiting. And he'll be right where he needs to be in his perfect, righteous, holy position. And you can run until you're 90. And he'll always be there. And when you come back after 40 years of running, he's not going to say, what an idiot. You just lost 40 years of your life. No, he's going to say, you're home. I love you. Come, let's sit down. Let's have a talk. And he's not going to talk to you about your sin. He's going to give you what you didn't get in the 40 years. <laughs> That's a loving husband. I love you, Jesus. Identity matter Statement. Here it is. During the childhood period when physical Israel was the designated people of God, Which converted Gentiles were grafted into. That's kind of like them being allowed into their city. Okay? There's this city of Zion that's coming for us. In order to get into that city, to become a citizen, we have to go through someone who's already a club member. In fact, they own the city. And that's Jesus Christ. That no man comes unto the Father who lives in the city of Zion except by me. So you can try all the gates if you want to, but I'm here to tell you it's just not going to work. You have to come through this very narrow road, as gold as it is, you have to come through this very narrow road and you're going to bump into me. And it's the only way. Or you're not getting into that city. That's what grafted is. You're going from this... When you go through that eye of the tree, eye of the cross, you're like a snake shedding his skin. The old will not show up on the other side of the cross. Then you can go into the city of Zion. That is beautiful, Jesus. And the law, being a custodial disciplinarian, leading me to Jesus, I am also thankful for. And I'm glad that it's going to stay here until the last spoken word of judgment is finished. So Jesus Christ, our husband, is the real teacher, the real truth, the real maturity By him himself fulfilling the law, he took the beatings, the spankings. So we wouldn't have to have those. But what's the number one thing that Christians war with? Being spanked. God's not happy with you. When I hear people say, the big man upstairs, or God hammered me today, or God roughed me up today, There's probably thousands of those statements. I'll tell you the question goes through my mind. Do you have the indwelling life of Christ? You see, that's not the Jesus I serve. He doesn't rough me up. You see, Jesus doesn't shake me up. He's waiting for when I'm weary and heavy laden, and I'm walking this way. And he just waits until I turn around. And he's like... But see, we beat each other with our own sins. And we used... I had a guy say to me last week, it was so hard for him to get through this Godship lesson. It was so difficult for him. He says... I am sorry, I just cannot join you in this Godship thing. If I use the standards from the Word of God, I think it's appropriate. He really, truly believes if he uses words from the Bible to change people, that it's righteous. He's not getting the Godship. Oh, he will. I can assure you. God's the only one that has the prerogative to use his own standards to spank people. You might remind them of it, but it's not you to do the spanking. Very difficult for a lot of people to understand. The law with the penal stick in hand, disciplinary stick in hand, kept saying, just hold my hand. I'm taking you to the teacher. So can you imagine that? It's a rod. You have the child. That child's constantly trying to pull away, as parents know. And that rod is, just hold on to my hand. What you have coming is everything that you want and more. And they're pulling. So you swat them to settle them down because the law does settle you down for a moment. And then you keep walking. The goal is to lead that child to the teacher. But see what we have the tendency to use. Is use the Bible as a rod. And we we hammer people with it. It's abuse. Then we try to teach them. If Christ is not doing the teaching through me. I'm sinning. And I've said it. If Christ does not do the teaching through me, I am sinning. I don't care how good of a theologian I am. 602-292-2982 You are under my custody until the time of maturity. Then Israel came of age in Jesus Christ. And the guardian, the law, fulfilled, was not needed anymore as a taskmaster. Christians are adult Israel. We are Israel in Christ. Father, thank you for this message today. I pray that if there are some that have been listening, they would download the PDF, look at that prayer, and consider praying. So, Father, whether it's salvation or the working out of our salvation, we honor you and thank you and praise you for what you're going to do through this message. Not just here locally, but possibly even in other countries. Thank you for being a part of our podcast today. If you would like more information about our ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. Again, thank you for joining us today.